millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, today's our day to work on stuff. <laughs> You've caught us on our work on stuff day. Which is apparently what we're talking about, too, so it's convenient. How long are you usually in for? Like four hours or five. Three, four hours. Three, four or four hours. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere in there. On Fridays. This is the day when we kind of like just usually like meet up and kind of like show each show each other what we've done um, for the week. But this is a slower week because we're kind of finishing our, our folder of demos and that we're going to send out to people and stuff. So we've kind of just been doing last-minute mixes probably that are probably too obsessive, but... That's what we've been doing. <laughs> just kind of getting lost in it. Uh, yeah, just kind of like it's it's the thing. It's like we're we're handing all these we're sending all these demos to people to be like, do you hear anything in here and do you want to produce this record? And so it's like you kind of want to leave them a little bit undone. Well, we just naturally leave them leave them undone because we're not very ad- adept engineers. But you want to present them in the best fashion so they're like, oh, I hear something here. This is gonna this is gonna be a great song. But also, it's like we can't really go that go that far with it. We're getting better and better. They said these are it's definitely the best sounding demos folder we have. Did you self produce the last EP? The last EP kind. Of <laughs> it's have. funny because we kind of did. Yeah. It's like we brought we the last couple of records we bring someone in kind of like in the middle. It's like if you think of recording as like you record the tracks, then you work on them for a while, then you mix them. We bring someone in on the then you work on them for a while part. So it's kind of co-produced, I guess, but it really felt like we produced it, I feel like. that And that one, the EP was especially mostly us. Yeah. Because yeah. that wasn't... I, I think the only one really Graham did was Walk It Off. Yeah. So, so yeah, most that one was mostly produced by us. As you've like gotten better at producers you know, over the years, how has that then gone on to like impact and, and influence the songwriting? Does it have an impact on it or affect it in any way? Yeah, I think so. I feel like when you start listening to more dance music, you know, like club music, so much of the songwriting is in, in the production of the song. You know what I'm saying? Like the it's the the parts the production dictates in a way how the song goes. So the better you are at kind of achieving things production wise, it opens things up for you as a songwriter, I think. And I think that even now, you know, you're able to get closer to the sounds that you want, and then the songwriting takes on a different meaning when you can kind of sculpt, produce sounds in a in a way that's closer to what you hear in your head, or that you're able to experiment with sounds to take them far out of what you thought in your head, and then able to make a new song out of it or something like that. You know, is the process more satisfying then if you can kind of get closer to what it is you've got floating about in your head? Yeah, I mean, for 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 me, definitely. Like you know, it kind of turns into like a. You know, you, you, like I feel like in songwriting, you're always kind of like trying to pull off something that you like in other music, or like that you can. You're like, you know. So certainly with like, since we're we like so much club music, like when you get your, your stuff banging, I mean, that's like what's excited me about music. So when we can do that, then then yeah, it it kind of does turn into a weird like motor for the songs. You know, do you do you find now as well 
that a lot of the demo i know you're speaking there about how you're working the demos up the parts of the demo stick around in the final song oh yeah yeah more than probably other people want. <laughs> i think we're frequently kind of being like no we just like the demo one better frequently but i'm sure a lot of people you talk to say the same thing you know people get you hear that because that's the original thing that gets you excited about what the song is so i feel like Anytime you try to redo it, it's it's like you know pretty quickly whether you're going to be able to get it or whether you're just going to spend three days trying to figure out exactly what you could just slot in from the original demo. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I mean, it's it's kind of like one of the things that I that I hope that having made so many records has like made us be able to like work a- around that because you know definitely some on our earlier records we would be too tied to the like well i don't like it as much as the demo but you but but this you know we did this in an expensive recording studio so this is what we need to do and so we would not use things that we <laughs> that were as good but then you know once we realized that we could actually use the demo parts then we had to kind of like work a way around dealing with demoitis and being like do i just like this cuz it's the demo and and i have demoitis so i think now we've done that both sides of that so many times that we're pretty good at being like no this demo is good and no uh, we can get something more out of this you kind of know once you start throwing stuff at it like uh when you're re-recording stuff whether things start opening up and it sounds more more exciting or whether it, it sounds you know not as good and 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 ultimately what you want is to start throwing stuff at it things start opening opening up to exciting moments and you're like great this is cool and when that's just not happening it's just like just stick with the demo but it is funny it's like i think i I think we probably all remember the first time that we were in a fancy studio and used like some twenty thousand dollar synthesizer through a fifty thousand dollar compressor and they're like sounds better right and you and you were like no (laughs) i like my casio through my (laughs) four track and the first time you kind of had the guts to be like i think i just like the other one that's not the expensive one you know what i mean when you're younger as well it's harder to say no to things or that's something that you kind of get better as you grow a bit older yeah yeah and people in studios are just assholes about that shit too they're like really (laughs) you know do you know what this microphone is you know and you have to be like i don't just ah, i'm sorry (laughs) do you tend to to stray away from the bigger studios now then do you like to kind of keep it in a more intimate environment i mean everyone does it's the whole industry has gone away from that it's i mean it's sad that they just those studios don't exist any anymore but it's also exciting that anyone can just kind of do this stuff now so so i mean it, from our position it hasn't been like you know we're certainly a, a a band where it would work better for us to be in an expensive studio you know uh, whereas some laptop artists and stuff it doesn't matter as much but so we do i don't know I guess we didn't do it this last record at all there was no expensive studio we're not against it on principle yeah you know i yeah. feel like we're we're in this situation where I feel like we're we're improving as producers and engineers and we're just good enough, but we're not good enough. You know, so it's like the expensive studio still has a place in our world. It's just yeah. has to be the right person there and it has to be the right more than the right gear, it just has to be the right person in the right situation, you know. Yeah. And and ultimately a big studio can can just be like a focus. You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. we're here, we're in the studio. Like, and, and to just use that as like, I mean, we're very much like, we like to use anything that comes in our way, you know, like, oh, we got this keyboard, let's just use it, you know? And so if an expensive studio comes in our way, we're gonna run the cheap ass beat through the expensive compressor. You know, we're gonna do all that stuff, you know? We're gonna, that's what we've come into across, so let's do it, you know? How has working in the home studio more impacted your workflow? Because I mean, when you look at the last like five years or so, you guys are the most prolific you've ever been. Is that is the home studio partly a result of that, or what's kind of feeling that? Part, I, th- I feel like honestly, partly it's a result of these Friday meetings. I feel like yeah. we're always kind of like getting together and working on stuff. And so if you know the other person's doing stuff, you're like, well, I better, I better fucking do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I feel like in a way we end up overwriting a lot, which I think has been interesting. And I think also because we, especially in the writing stage, we like to be like really just try anything. And then we end up with all the stuff that, and I feel like I, it's particular to you and me, I feel like that we always end up kind of falling in love with the weirdest stuff where we're like, but what about that super weird one we had? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and people are like, well, what about that other one you had that, that sounds like a single? And we're like, yeah, yeah, that, that one will be fine. But what about that super weird one <laughs> with like the lyrics in, that we tried to write in French and like a sample of a mouse or something? And people will be like, okay, yeah. 
but we really want to finish it, you know. So then we end up finishing a ton of stuff and hopefully having, an, you know, I, I think this EP was fun because it, it felt fun to feel like we had an outlet for the, the weirder stuff. And I feel like it felt good to, to feel like the weirder stuff could make it in the world and people could check it out. And maybe there's like two people that like this one thing that we really liked, but it's nice that it finally got to those two people, you know. <laughs> Was part of that because of the EP format? Did you feel a little bit freer because it wasn't an album? You could maybe take the pressure off a little bit. Well, I would I would say to to your other question, in in, in some ways it was because of we did get better at the home studio because this is like, you you know we have a process where we're always kind of like we vote off these songs and those songs just kind of usually just die a death. And this was the first time where those these weird songs that Raphael's talking about that we actually really like, like they sounded good. Like the songs that got voted <laughs> off, the weird ones were like, this was the first time we had like leftovers that sounded good. So it was kind of like, and that kind of like, since they were all kind of the weird, unique ones, they hung together in this kind of cool way, you know? So, so in, in some ways it, 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 it kind of worked in that, in that respect. I mean, you, you mentioned that, you know, the writing process, you guys are writing a lot more than you used to. Do you have a better understanding of the writing process? as a result of that or how much of the process is still you know a mystery to you and it still has that mysterious quality that's quite appealing and intoxicating that's a good question i mean it's it's always mysterious never no one ever fucking figures it out you know and, and but but you certainly figure out better tricks you know and 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 like i think if anything you figure out better tricks to the things that stumped you before you know but it remains mysterious you know, it's like every it feels like every time that you do it, you're kind of like, oh, I did it again. You know, <laughs> like, like it's it always just feels like it always and it always feels like, well, where would another song ever come from? And like you'll finish it that night and you're like, I'll never write a song again. Like, you know, like just feels like how did it even happen? So it feels like a, it feels like a magic trip, trick happened every single time, you know, but but you definitely get better, better at like there's just stuff that. It, Almost the same thing in a similar way to what I just said about the EP. It's just like, whereas before we would have gotten stumped, like, oh, I love this little verse thing. And now we've gotten more like, like, well, we have just a song with just a verse. And now we can make this other kind of song with it or something. Or, you know, we know how to we know how to meet those challenges more. So it remains mysterious, but you know how to beat challenges more. I guess. So what, what were some of those challenges that you used to face that now you you feel, you know, more it's easier to overcome them. You feel better at tackling them. I mean, I feel for us, the challenge has always been to, from a production standpoint, it's been to kind of like get the songs to, get the songs to work like we'd like them to when we hear a song in a club that we like or something, but maintain it as a song that works as a song or something like that. I feel like that's what we were always running mm -hmm, into in the mm -hmm, past. It was mm -hmm. like, how can the production feel as energetic and as creative as like a, Hesalatio song or something, but that we can have a song over it that has a verse and a chorus or something. And I feel like now maybe the production, we can, on our own, we can get it a little bit closer to sounding, to banging in that way that we like. And so we can, we, we don't have to have that in the back of our head, like, well, someone's going to have to come in and make the drum sound right or something like that. Like we can, we can maybe get it closer so we can focus more on on either the songwriting part or, or on just stretching out, you know what I'm saying? Like doing different things and, and knowing that we can pull pull some of that stuff off, you know? Yeah, it sounds like it, it kind of helps the focus a little bit as well. Like if you clear all that stuff at the back of your head, you're not worrying about it and you can just fixate on the thing that you really want to, you know, build up or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the so many of the songs I think we've done that we liked have been songs where we were imitating something and we fell short, you know, <laughs> like to imitating it properly. Some of the songs that we that haven't worked have been songs that we where we weren't able to actually get it to sound like we wanted it to sound. You know what I'm saying? So there's like a fine line between the two things. Like I don't think we want to make, we don't want to make Berlin techno tracks, or maybe we do sometimes and have them come out in some way. But that's not like the main purpose of the band. But we do want them to inspire the same kind of excitement that those songs inspire in us, or something like that. So you're you're constantly reaching for this stuff either from the production or, for, or from, you know, the choruses or from the songwriting, you know? I wanted to ask as well about one of the, one of the really early tracks, Me and Giuliani Down by the Schoolyard. Because last time we had a conversation, Nick, I remember you saying about how your words kind of come back to haunt you and sometimes you'll write about things <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. years on they'll kind of reemerge. Sure. He's someone who's been back in the news lately. Yeah. <laughs> for, uh, 
a lot of the the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, he, is that yeah. what is that kind of an example of that? He has certainly come back to haunt us. That's for fuck sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he was never in there for the right reason. I mean, he was he yeah. always sucked. You know, he always sucked. But I, I I will say at the time like that we wrote that song, it felt a little bit like you know he was America's mayor. You know, and he was like everyone still loved him. But you know. It, for us in our little scene everyone like fucking hated him but you know like you know at that time we wouldn't write as many songs so i spent a lot of time like kind of like working on it you know and i like would remember i was going to barnes and noble and like reading his autobiography to kind of like get behind who he was and whatever and all that kind of stuff which was probably useless but it's good to have some kind of focus like that you know and i, I guess i didn't want not uh, i didn't want to not know what i was talking about you know so yeah, I guess, I guess, I mean, certainly that has come back to haunt us too. Also, just because, like, anytime he does anything, like, someone will, will tweet at us, like, you know, like, oh, let's get Giuliani to number one. And it's kind of like, I mean, at this point, it's like our whole brand could be hating Giuliani. You know, <laughs> it's just like, I, I, I've kind of resisted it because he's so, uh, he's just an ugly, despicable thing to have to see in your feed as it is, you know? So, but I'm all, it's always, I'm always this close and this, and this tempted, but I've kind of like, unless something really strikes me, I think I'm going to leave it to like, you know, we'll post a song when he dies or gets, goes to jail. Like, you know, like, you know, it's like, I kind of want to, you know, we said what we said, you know, and, and we stand by it. It is kind of funny though, in a way, because, you know, I feel like so, so many of those 80s punk songs are, like they're kind of set in a time because they're screaming about like Reagan or Thatcher or something like that, and like those people are, people are gone. And the same thing could have been said for Giuliani, but he has this like grotesque second act now. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's like you could have you could have pegged that song to a very particular time, but now it like in a way it makes the song timeless to the, because yeah, he's such yeah. a fucking awful human being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's almost like if if Thatcher, you know, that, so, Thatcher was still alive and so, did some more heinous shit and then all those crass songs about her or something became re- yeah, we're <laughs> like right. we're suddenly relevant again, you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was he what exactly was he doing to New York in the early 2000s? Like why why was it your scene was kind of like you were saying that you, everyone liked them apart from your little scene. What was going on? Uh, well, he, you know, he he kind of resurrected these old uh, codes. There were base, they're basically racist codes to like crack down on bars in Harlem or whatever. And like that was that was the way they could shut down these bars when they wanted to. Is to be like, oh, there's dancing here, you can shut it. And so basically, what they wanted to do was, what was the grand plan? It's it's, it's kind of been so long since I had to talk about it, but you know, they're basically. I forget why he wanted to do this, but he cracked down on all, all the bars and clubs in New York so you couldn't dance. So, you know, for instance, this uh, one one of the the one bar that uh, Gorman, Chick uh, Chick member, worked at at the time, like they had like a button that would turn on the lights in the DJ booth if the the cops were coming in, so that they could just be like, yeah, nobody's dancing here. You know, so it was a it was pr- pretty extreme at one point. To to us, it was just like you know having having moved here at that time, you know you you moved to New York to 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 do it to go disco dancing to fucking to go clubbing you know like to live the dream and like to move here and then and they're like no no it's actually it's like Footloose it's like Indiana it's like you can't dance here you're like why would you know it's just like it was ridiculous in the eighties in the in the Footloose movie in Indiana like why would that be happening now in the two thousands in New York City you know so who do you have against dancing I, 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 I doesn't like dancing have you seen the shoes <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's one of the memes that the he's, shoes. He's, he's, yeah. that guy hasn't danced have you seen his shoes no just Google Giuliani shoes and and you're like that's why that guy doesn't dance did you see the image of him the other day when he had the hair dye like melting yes he looks like a monster man yeah no it's it's pretty rough it's, it's pretty awful. Rough. Awful. Could you did you use that to fuel you then, like in the early two thousands? Could you take that kind of oppression and use it to be like, fuck this, we're going to rally against it, and you know, well make that great music that anyway. one felt very, you know, the the thing I, that I always say about political songs and is just that, like, it needs to feel like you know you have something unique to say. You know, even when John Lennon was like, give peace a chance, he was like, you know, it's like, why don't people just give people peace a chance? You know, and then he wrote the song. You know, it's like he felt like he had a concept. You know, to more than just like you know, war sucks or something. He felt like he had a concept to go with. He felt like he had something unique to say. And certainly with Giuliani, it just felt like, well, this we have something to say, you know? And we have done some political songs, but they, they since everyone's talking about politics constantly all the time now, and, you know, and you, 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 you like some other tweet with, like, thousands of likes, 
I felt like a lot of people have been a, a, a little more succinct at, at saying what's wrong with this moment, you know, than, than I felt like I could necessarily put into song. Although, but we did touch on it a few times. It's come, it's come up here and there. Like, it's come up. You know, and, and I felt like, you know, it was slow motion, like, you know, was, oh, yeah. like, was definitely like about how we felt about the 2016 election. And that, and that, that what we were kind of able to like, that we were, I felt like we were able to say like, this is how we feel about about this moment. This is how we feel about it, and that's how why we felt like it was kind of like a unique thing to say about it. It wasn't like, and the Trump is a bad guy and whatever. You know, it's like it. it sometimes it hasn't. I haven't noticed. I haven't noticed any songs like that from anyone really saying they're not like the Reagan <laughs> songs. You know, it's like no one's like Trump's a bad guy because this and this and this. Like, because it just it hasn't it hasn't felt relevant. You know, to a to a song. You know. And especially in, in, some, in some ways, it, it, it may be also that, you know, we've been so inundated with, with, with politics at this moment that music has gone back to more of being a release, you know, whereas like, you know, in Dylan's days, they didn't have Twitter and all that. And, and, <laughs> and, and Dylan was able to, Dylan was essentially the tweet that they were all liking. It was like, this feels like how I feel, you know, that the answer is blowing in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think with the Trump stuff, though, it's almost too obvious? Like what you're saying there, that no yeah. one, it doesn't feel right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to the later stuff, you were saying that you kind of touch on political things. When it comes to the deeper themes of it, you kind of sneak it in. Like, you don't, it's the kind of things that you don't notice until a few listens. Like, on the last EP, I know I've done a couple of the phrases, actually. There's nothing wrong with dying alone. People do it every day. It's kind of just snuck in. There was a little phrase, and maybe you can't make it on your own. And then there's stuff on Walk It Off, like can't tell me nothing like just like my mother don't stop me talking just like my father it's these little lines you kind of sneak them yeah, in as yeah, opposed yeah, yeah. to structuring a whole song around. well the i mean you know the the mother and father one was pretty much specifically a tip of the hat to the original sneaker which was prince hmm. you know because that always kind of like blew my mind that you know you know someone could certainly throw this out there but you know you know he's such a big Joni mitchell fan and and like you know that's they, they always make such a big deal of that and it's like but you know in in a, in a number one song like when doves cry for him to say like you know maybe i'm just like my mother maybe i'm just like my father like that was like that was a heavy theme for of a number one pop hit you know and <laughs> and certainly i think partly you know things that he was getting from Joni. you know Joni was what you know she's the first confessionals songwriter or you know that's of course like saying what the first rapper is but you know certainly she was one of the first to kind of put it out there in that way and i think that you know the way that he he did that in a pop song was you know certainly we're, we're, we're always trying to to get that with our own you know it's like it's like you're always kind of like I, I definitely think we're like always making the records for that person that notices because we noticed that in records you know it's like definitely like you know i'd be like on an acid trip into track nine of, of a cd and just be like fuck man i can't believe they did this shit you know and it's like that's certainly like we definitely want that there for our own songs and you know it's like just trying to get everything in there that you that you can and and, and certainly i will say also it's like for the songs that we play live you know like the ones that have lyrics that i really like like remain fun to sing you know so it's like it's kind of like it, it helps me to have just the lyrics be better you know like it's like you know like a song by the must by the must be the moon like it cracks me up every time you know i'm like man i really gave it to him on this one <laughs> you know? but you know I, I like the you know like even that one i felt like it's like you know it's just like it's it's some it's like a simple hookup and whatever it's fun it's all party and like let's all you know everybody get fuck get laid or whatever but it's like also saying a lot uh, to me it's like says things about the way that the guys and girls relate and 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 like the the difficulties of making those relationships work. So, 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 I mean, you know, I think I kind of always use this as an example. Like, you know, to me, like the, like Woody Allen movies, when he tried to be like Bergman and only have it be like serious, like don't like, he don't, wasn't able to say as much as he was in those ones where he like, the movies are funny. Like he would say as many serious things in his funny movies and they were fun, you know? So to us, it's like, it's, it's that same thing. It's like, we're trying to, you know, it can be emotional and political and funny and all, all, all in one thing, you know, and so you're just trying to give it as much depth as you can. There's something ironic about that though as well, because he kind of wants to be Bergman. <laughs> yeah. like you almost yeah, feel like yeah. he doesn't want to be funny. But it's, it's kind of like, it's like us when we're doing our experimental thing or something, it's like, well, we want to be like this, but maybe when it works best is like, you know, when it's all of the above, you know, rather than some strict, well, this is some experimental thing, you know. Do you get a sense of the importance of, of like a song's lyric when you write it? Like what you're saying there about the ones that you like the lyrics, they remain fun to sing. 
I mean, same with any aspect of a song. Can you get a sense of that in the moment that this is going to be something that's going to hang around and still going to be, you know, fun to perform years down the line? I think you get a sense. I think we both know when we've written a lyric that's that's there to fill in a melody, and when we've written a lyric that's there to be considered like a lyric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I think we've talked about it too. Like I think. Uh, sometimes you're just using, you're just trying to fill up the melodic structure of a song and you're kind of using these words. I mean, I think we could tell you each of the words that set off alarm bells of like, oh, you're just kind of like filling this in a little bit. And then there's other songs, and I think a lot of the songs on the EP actually where that where, where you're like, yeah, this is a lyric. This is like a lyric that yeah, I would yeah. read, that like I would think someone might put in a yearbook qu- quote in their yearbook right, or something right, like right. that. You know, so I, I think you get the sense when you're writing. I think we've tried harder to have less of the fill-in lyrics and yeah, more of yeah, the lyric lyrics, you know, and, and really try to put ourselves through our, through the revision process to not do that. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I think you know pretty soon when you've gotten a turn of phrase that's that works and when, or when, and when it's just kind of like, I mean, I, I'm not gonna throw us under the bus because <laughs> I because with each of those kinds of songs, songs of ours pop in my head. <laughs> but you know, but you, I think you know, and, and but you and you also have to know when you just have something that just sounds good and you need to leave it. You know, it's like there's things there's things where past in the past where I got caught up on like making everything be something really some amazing statement, but I've lost like when I was just saying you know chicken sandwich originally it's just sounded better and you don't know what you know because most of the time people don't care and that's it's what you got to go for first you know but i think we're good at like balancing it at this point certainly why do you think why do you think you've started getting a little bit more precious with the lyrics and what you're saying there, making that conscious effort to to uh, make well, it we've always been more precious about yeah, them than we than we get credit for yeah, being yeah, i think yeah. i think i think the, be, the i think i think sometimes people think that all of our songs are like get on the floor you know, yeah. <laughs> dance and yeah, yeah. and we we very rarely have songs like that. And the lyrics are pretty, are worked on pretty hard. So I think whenever someone notices the lyrics, it's kind of like you noticed. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think Nick. I forget who you told once that it was a joke that the two artists that get mentioned the most when we're talking are Prince and Bill Callahan. <laughs> you know, because I feel like that's the kind of lyrics like like we think we're trying to be like write like Bill Callahan songs, you know, that are humorous and sad and deep and political if they need to be and about relationships. Like that's what we're aspiring to. You know, we're not we're not just trying to write like party starting kind of anthems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even if we are sometimes, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like we we're always fairly precious about them, you know. Was Bill Callahan was he someone you kind of I think did you reference him in terms of an influence for your new record as well? The upcoming solo one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that lyrically he's been an influence of ours for a long time, but musically it's it's less so. But then that's one of the reasons I think you do a solo a side project is to indulge these things that you, you know, it's like that you that you can't always indulge with the group or something like that, you know. But I think with Bill Callahan, uh, we've we definitely reference him a lot, and we definitely like point out his turns of phrases a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like just little turns of because I mean he has no fill in lyrics I think I think yeah, yeah. all his lyrics are very considered you know I, I even feel like he maybe starts with the lyrics and kind of builds around mm-hmm. them that much which we we do less you know mm-hmm. you can go too far as well sometimes though, like you need sometimes those moments of levity like you're saying he fills everything in but like can create a tension that can become a little bit much <laughs> yeah he can be a little much definitely <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the with the new record as well you're singing in Spanish yeah for the first time. Yeah. Had that been something, had that been an idea that it kind of been swimming around your brain for a while and something you wanted to do or did it come quite organically or naturally in the moment? It came organically, I think. I mean, we've done a couple of Spanish songs with Chick to Chick actually and exp- and they're continuing to kind of experiment with that. But I think it, it, I think for me it was a way, I think to avoid the self-conscious, because I think writing lyrics can be very self-conscious, you know, like, because you feel like in a way writing in Spanish, I feel like, well, no one can understand this anyway. So I can like pretty much write about anything no matter how simple or how inane, like, you know, there's a song there about dr- how much I like to drink coffee. Like, I don't think I would ever write a Chick to Chick song about that because I'd feel a little bit like self-conscious being like, you know, coffee, you know, like that. But in Spanish, I'm like, well, no one's going to fucking understand this anyway. So it's like, and I do love coffee. So it's like, whatever, you know, <laughs> it allowed me to kind of explore things that I didn't normally explore in terms of topics but i think it's actually come back and it's made me less self-conscious in english and i've tried to be less self-conscious because i I think that that's not a good 
place to be. I think there's a fine line between being self-conscious and not allowing yourself to be open or vulnerable to things that maybe would feel a little bit embarrassing or something like that. So I've tried to use that to be like, you know, if I do want to write a song about something that seems inane, how can I do it in a way that, that works? You know what I'm saying? Rather than saying like, well, I can't write about that. I have to write about, you know, whatever, you know? Sounds quite liberating. Yeah, it's it's been it's been liberating too. And the funny thing is that the record, the Spanish record, is mostly being listened to in Latin America so people can understand the lyrics. <laughs> so it's like, I, I always wonder sometimes, they're like, man, what's, what's this guy on about? You know, because they can actually understand it. And then the, my friends that, that don't speak Spanish are always like, yeah, it just sounds so romantic. Or they say something like that. I'm always like, yeah, not really. You know, It's like the least romantic record I've ever written. You know? <laughs> so it's kind of funny, you know, how it ends up turning out. Is that something to do, do you think that romanticism, is that like down to the musicality of the language or where do you think that's kind of coming from? I think maybe in the exoticism of it, you know, it's like, I, I think one, that coffee song I played and, and for at a thing and the person was like, it was just so... It was so moving. Like, I was almost brought to tears or something. And I was like, you must not understand. Because it's literally like, I'm walking down the street with a thing of coffee. I'm psyched. Like, that's all the song's about. <laughs> so it's funny to hear someone be like, it was just so moving to hear you. So I think it is just like the exoticism of hearing, you know, like, I often think of that with like Brazilian music or African music. I'm like, they could be saying anything. And I just think it sounds great. <laughs> you know, it's like, cert it's certainly liberating. But like I said, I think I've tried to bring it back to, I've tried to make it so like I'll own anything I do. Even in a, even I'll be like, no, fuck you. I wrote about this thing. I wanted to write about it. Here's the song. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when I listened to it as well, I can't speak Spanish. But one of the things I kind of got from it was this intense nostalgia but i don't know is that again is that kind of slightly off the mark or was that something you felt in the process no i mean i guess it, maybe it was nostalgic in the sense that like i moved away from mexico when i was 10 so it's like maybe there's some wistfulness to it in some way i could see that but but maybe it's just the acoustic guitar you know the image of a guy on a stool like singing <laughs> or something like that that makes that contributes to that i don't, I don't know have you been back to Mexico since you left? Yeah, actually, we go play there sometimes. We do shows there sometimes. And, like, a couple times I've been to, like, where I used to live and stuff like that just to take a picture of it and, and, and this kind of stuff. And the first time I went, actually, one of the songs uh, on the Spanish record is about, like, walking around the first time I went back with Chick to Chick and seeing a guy that kind of looked like me and was my age and had a baby the same age. And I was like, maybe that's the guy I would have been if I never would have left. And he's just, like, pushing a stroller. <laughs> and I was like maybe like maybe this is who i would have maybe this is what i would have been doing if i would have never moved away you know but instead i'm going to play a show and getting out of here you know what i mean so it's been i guess that's a little nostalgic when you put it that way but you know it's always weird when you go down that rabbit holes like in in your mind when you think about a certain decision you made and what would have happened had you not made it and kind of imagine the the old yeah life. either really small or really huge you know like i'm sure you one if you had never left sacramento like what kind well, of record actually i was thinking about when we went to dinner and like we were about to part and like you were like well should i do it should i join the band you know <laughs> yeah. like because he was like you know we'd we'd asked him to join the band and he had uh turned us down and then kind of like changed his mind at the last minute well, after got, we'd found another bass player i so got fired sure. i got fired from a job and then i went to dinner with nick that night and I was like, yeah, I got fired from this job. And he was like, good, now you can join the band. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then I was like, all right. And then he's like, he came over. He's like, okay, play Must Be the Moon. And I just <laughs> had an acoustic guitar. And I was like, I think it goes like this. He's like, okay, you're in. And then you had to call and tell the other guy he couldn't be in the <laughs> band anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a pretty big one, I guess, yeah. for both of us. Yeah, that could have gone easy. You know, I, I, we might not be having this conversation now. <laughs> yeah. you know? Are there are there any other moments you know in the history of the band that kind of stand out to you in the same way that you think that was a decision that we made right and it could have easily gone another way? I don't know if there, I don't know that was like a real turning point for the band. I mean, you know, at the beginning it was like such a big group of a gang of people that you could have kind of taken this or that person out. You know, it was kind of like and it was just a force like moving forward kind of. But definitely like, you know, at that moment like. A lot of those people had left and there, there was it was unclear where the you know we had just made like a record that maybe wasn't so satisfying and like it was unclear if the band was going to have the power to make it through the next decade or whatever so i can't i can't i don't know that i can necessarily point to other big certainly in the first before rafael i don't know if you can think of other big moments well like i think that. about when you and paul went to see jim that morning oh, yeah they, they went to see our friend who now our friend jim 
It's, well, you tell you were there. So yeah, well, we had you know people always complain about South by Southwest, and you know because it's such a schmoozy industry thing, and you know you kind of just got to take it for what it is and have a good time. But basically, th- having a good time meant getting super fucking wasted on the <laughs> Sunday after it, and actually meeting a girl who we wrote slide with for the Thriller record that night. And then the next morning, being a really hungover and but getting really high on coffee with Paul and walking around Austin with nothing to do, and it's just like, oh, fuck it, let's just call that guy Jim. It's like and see if he'll he'll meet with us. And he, like, came and picked us up. That he's like, yeah, let's let's meet right now. And like, so then we met with him, and that that was like he was that it was, was a Jimmy first, you know, from Spoon, and he Jimmy produced you know, from Spoon, Thriller. and he produced Thriller, and that was like just like a definite like. That's where we kind of began the second phase of the of the band, and that's where we like learned a lot about making records that we kind of continued to this day, you know. So even you know we we learned a lot from him, and I I, I hope that he learned a lot from us in that whole process. It was like, a, but that was like the last time we had like a well, not the last time, but that was like the last time we had a producer who was like a coach who was like, this is what you're gonna do, and you know that sort of thing. So so that and that was a big part of what what is taught us how to make records what kind of what was the most important lesson you learned from working with jim then on that thriller record i don't know I just, these are these are the questions that are hard to answer because it's hard to it's like it's hard to like you're like oh man i, I love that book and like it really changed me you're like well what how did it change you you're like i don't know it just did you know it's like it's like it's kind of like if it affects you on a deep level it's kind of hard to put out and it's like and it'd be, it, would, it would be little things but that said there should be some concrete examples i mean i, I feel like Something I learned from Jim was that you kind of like, you try to make every sound interesting and work. You don't leave any stone unturned. You know, like it, it would always be like, I felt like I'd be like, okay, I think we have this. And you'd be like, let me just try to jigger this and see if I can fig- figure something out for right. that one little thing that's just sitting there. And I'd be like, oh, okay, I guess we're we're doing that. You know what I'm saying? So it was this kind of like, he just had this kind of like relentlessness to just keep trying and keep trying, keep trying. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I feel yeah. like that that was good for me to know to kind of see like you you don't have to settle you don't have to stop you know like you you got to keep going till you've left everything kind of unturned and i i don't think we've worked with anyone since that's as kind of like diligent to just be like i'm gonna just keep keep trying with this until it until it's cool you know what i mean and he's definitely like the last like studio kind of producer that we've that we worked with where he has a studio with a bunch of cool compressors and synths and you know, like it's about using that studio as as the instrument, you know? Yeah, and again, it comes back to what you were saying earlier that a lot of it is about the person who's in the studio more than the studio itself. Yeah. 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 What happened that day in, in Austin then? Did you kind of connect with him straight away? Do you remember your kind of first impression of him and, and that encounter? I, I always think it's funny when he tells the story, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. I mean, I was hungover and coffeeed up, but I, I just went in there and saw the studio was like, I didn't know what a compressor was. I, I always say, actually, I learned what a compressor was from Jim. <laughs> like, yeah. I made, like, I don't know, like, five, six albums before I knew what a compressor was. Like, you know, definitely, like, I learned that from Jim. But but uh, so he showed us the studio, and then I kind of just played him some dance tracks and was like, we want to make a record like that sounds like this. Like, do you, do you want to do that? And he says it was just, like, kind of like he just, like, he thought that was a crazy thing to do because he was just, like, I mean, he makes all kinds of, record so of course he's just like yeah i mean i can do this like you know but to us it was like you know we kind of like had this like we had that kind of like dance music kind of like this this revered kind of like thing that we could never actually achieve you know we we just we wanted to make a record like this and so so to me to me it was like very normal to thing thing to do but um essentially like you know he struck me as like i don't i don't want to say it was uh like love at first sight or something but it was definitely like a connection and like yeah this guy's really cool i like him and and it and he seems fun and 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 friendly you know so we we and we kind of took it from there like we hemmed and hawed about it for a while and then we kind of just like well let's go out and spend a weekend and just make a song with him so Raphael and i went out to kind of just test it with him and that was where i finally got an impression like okay this is like this is what it could be because we we had something that was a demo that maybe the rest of the band wasn't that excited by and then we were kind of like able to turn it around and turn it into something and be like look this is what we could do and we and we that was really fun that was definitely i would i would love to go back and do that with them again that was really fun although you were you said you kind of pitched as a dance record that is quite an eclectic album as well Mm. 
Like you kind of you are kind of going through, and the same with the album. The last few records going through quite a lot of different genres and styles. Yeah, I think well, that that comes from this kind of like writing, overwriting, and just kind of like trying everything, and just kind of making sure we indulge, like you know, in in a way, kind of like what we're saying about Jim, like making sure if we have some weird idea that we indulge it. You know, it's like something like maybe you can't make it on your own. I think I had played Nick the song. It was slow. It was kind of ballady, you know, and he went and turned it into this footwork thing because he heard something in it. It maybe immediately it didn't strike us as working, but then it was like, no, we're going to see this through until it's something that we like. And so it was so, so so I think that's what ends up making us write kind of eclectic records because we're we're down to indulge whatever kind of fancy we have you know within our songwriting and we're down to kind of like see it through and not just look at it as an exercise like oh and remember that weird thing we tried to do make into a footwork track oh yeah that was weird but we actually were like no we're going to see this all the way through mix it finish it and then hopefully someone out there would be like and what's up with that one 160 BPM <laughs> crazy song, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I feel like that's why we've ended up doing some eclectic things because we've we've you know it, whether it's you know that or or, or, or some other song, songs I could think of. I feel like you know we've 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 pushed ourselves to kind of see things through, you know. It's interesting because if you think about that original slow ballad idea, that then almost comes back up on Certified Heavy Cats and you have Take It Easy. It's kind of similar in that vein. Do you yeah. tend to, do you sometimes have that where you have like an idea a few years earlier and Maybe it doesn't work out, but then you kind of see it resurface in a different form down the line. Well, I think Nick did most take it easy, but I, th- I think that something that we've t- we talk about a lot and that we've been trying to get better at too is kind of to listen to to try to follow what the song is telling you it wants to be. So it's like for a song like "Take It Easy," rather than like be like, "Well, if we just bump the BPMs up to 130 and put a big house kick drum on it, we could kind of bring it into the fold as like a big anthem or something." Be like. This is crying out to be this kind of mellow thing to the point where you wrote the lyrics about taking taking it easy or something. Mm. So like resisting, trying to do what what's best for the song and what makes the song work as its as its own little three minute universe the best. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that that to me has been what we've been trying to get better at in a way is being like, well, this is this, and we're gonna try to make it work as this thing rather than. And so then then you do end up with some more ballady tracks or, you know, maybe on this new record. There's a couple really fast songs and a couple, you know, that you end up kind of all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Rather than trying to bring things into some fold of like, well, it has to be a chick to chick song, so it needs a disco guitar or it needs a whatever. You know? Does it feel different when you're in the in the studio working on that stuff when it comes to like the faster ones and the slow, more ballady ones? Are you are you channeling that energy in a different way when you're approaching it? Well, I, I guess I'd ask you that. The slow ones, I feel I feel like you're particularly kind of like making. You want to make sure the slow ones still retain yeah. your interest in a way yeah, they don't yeah. feel like a lull you know yeah yeah i mean i'm a big i'm like a big i really hated at concerts when they're like we're gonna take it down here a little bit. <laughs> you know? and then you're like oh okay that's like when you go get a drink and like so to me a ballad has to you know a ballad like you know purple rain no one's going to get a drink during purple rain like you you're gonna you're gonna fucking take that that eight and a half minutes in or whatever. You you're gonna know? get like, your lighter up. You're, you're gonna, gonna get your lighter, <laughs> which you don't. Yeah, you want them to get their lighters out, not go get a drink. You know, <laughs> so so a ballad has to matter as much as as a, a dance one. And so since, certainly since we're not a, you know, people aren't checking us for ballads. So if we have one, it better fucking count. You know, it can't just be like a you know a throwaway. So. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 really all it's all the same thing. You're just excited about it. You know, it's it's all it's all the same thing, whether it's a fucking slam and techno or whether it's an acoustic ballad like you're like this. I, you know, each time you're just trying to get it to fucking fly, you know, and I think with us, it's like it's like, you know, there's ones that it's like easy to just get it up. But yeah, this one flies. And there's other ones. It's it's kind of like to us. It's like the trickier ones that we're trying to kind of like make fly, you know, because that's more exciting for us. And so certainly when we when you got a ballad, it's like, oh, can we make this fly, though? That'd be so crazy. If we made this one fly, you know. I think as well about that song, though, it, you get kind of caught up by the soundscape because you're not expecting a ballad, and then that's what kind of piques your interest, and then you almost tune into the lyrics more. Uh-huh, yeah, And that's yeah. what kind of grabs you. And it's an interesting song lyric that we spoke a little bit of, a little bit about it last time when it came to breaking the fourth wall, but it's very kind of self-aware and very kind of um, objective, almost kind of looking back on yourself. Does that come from being like a self-analytical person, or where's that kind of edge to the songwriting coming from? I don't know. That one's, you know, very, that one's very just me, like, vibing, you know? If I'm being fully honest, I would say that that was a kind of like vague groove I barely kind of had. 
and I put it on when I was super high. And I don't I don't write a lot when I'm high because I don't like to have that kind of pressure of it. Like when I'm messing around with music and I'm high because I only smoke weed once a week. I'm kind of like pretty like now I'm going to listen to all these things and I, I treat it kind of seriously or whatever. But I also kind of like if I'm messing around with music, I don't like to have the pressure of I have to write something. I like to just be like, I'm just fucking with stuff. I'm just having a good time. I was telling him actually I was just messing with some Ariana Grande stems when I was high last time because it was kind of like that was just a fun thing to, you know, it's like something I would do. And actually, I mean, I started making this fucking stony version of Into You, you know, it was just like it was just fun to like hear like that. And it doesn't fucking matter, but it's a fun way to listen to music and play with music, whatever. So certainly with that one, I was kind of just messing around and just and the, that group started happening. It just felt like take it easy, you know. And then when the lyrics happen to me, the lyrics are like. Like there's actually we both read that book Revolution in in the head you know where they analyze each oh, the Beatles book yeah, yeah yeah and I think it's very interesting the one song where he's talking about two of us and he's like is the song about John and Paul or is it about Paul and Linda and it's like you fucking numbskull it's fucking both you know and Paul doesn't know which parts are or maybe Paul does know that this line is about John and Paul and this line is about Paul and Linda and it doesn't fucking matter it just means the song it just means two of us and you're able to listen to it and think of the two of us whoever that you think to it in your life and maybe you think of 12 two of us as in 12 different <laughs> pairs you know it doesn't fucking matter it's the song and with Take It Easy, it was like, you know, there's the line about, like, you know, dealing with the, fr you know, I th think I might have told you, it's like our manager was calling me right at that moment and, and telling me to, like, you know, whatever. And it's just like, you yeah. know, I don't want to be involved in self-promotion. I just want to take it easy. I just want to write songs. That's how I'm going to get make good music for the people who are going to want to see an Instagram post about us. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it also felt like a kind of, to me, it was about the comment of, like, you know, about how everyone's just too quick to kind of be enemies and fight at each other you know it's just like uh, you know kind of everyone everyone kind of needs to relax like we don't all need, need to be constantly mad at each other at all times so it felt like it was a, it was about that in some ways too and then it was and then it was just about my and then it, in the very beginning of it is is definitely about like starts circling around in my head and it's something i can't do instead it's like it's it's a message to myself it's like you know with my own anxieties and the things and the pressures that i the worries that i have you know so it's like it's 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 all of those things in one and it's like and it's and it it comes together as this great message in the chorus to take it easy hmm. yeah and then people can impart their own thing onto it as well and it kind of just keeps expanding because everyone's everyone's going to have their own kind of like what they need to take it easy about ultimately ultimately the sound suggests the whole meaning it's like i couldn't have said like i want to write a song about all these things i couldn't i would have probably i would have divided those up into different things but the sound of that groove and the way it felt it felt easy it felt like something i wanted to you know take it easy to so it, like all those things came out of the feel of 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 that it's like the the emotion of the track is what suggests the lyrics usually you know it's interesting what you were saying is all about getting high once a week to kind of listen to music in a different way are you quite conscious of trying to achieve new perspectives and kind of yeah, just absolutely. in general on music, really. Yeah, absolutely. Even with without getting high, you're always kind of like you know. I was actually reading that book this year, like Bass Mids Tops. I'm not, book. I'm it's not a familiar. it's a UK yeah. book. It's about UK sound system culture and whatever. And it's like, I really liked reading this book about all this kind of music that I didn't care about so much. It's a series of interviews with different people from all these genres, and they're all talking about this exciting moment in their life when they're so excited about these genres, they didn't know <laughs> we're a genre yet, and they were kind of like, I was just mixing this and mixing this, and then people called it dubstep, or people called it jungle, or whatever, you know, it's like, so it's like, it's to, for me, to be, it was a really free zone to be in, and be listening to all these people talk about themselves being in this free zone, and 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 so I really liked that that put me in a zone of like uh, of unsureness, like, you know, to have to listen to like, wow, they seem really excited about it and listen and be like, yeah. But but then that started to open me up a lot more. And I was kind of like taking more chances because it was like about all these people taking chances. And as much as I think I know when I sit down at the computer every day, I have to take chances like you still need to push like every time, like take a chance. But what's the chance? You know, am I taking the chance, you know? So, um, so yeah, I'm definitely, I, I feel, I feel, I feel like we're definitely conscious of like, we have to be in like a new zone and we have to be at an, you know, that's where the exciting, you know, if you look at the Beatles career, it's like at every moment they were at a completely exciting moment of, of new things that they were trying to digest and, and spit out. So it's like, and the same with Prince, you know, so, the, and that's who we put ourselves up with. We were like, 
it's got it's like <laughs> Beatles and Prince. But no, but you no. know that is what we like are constantly referencing. Like those are the guys, and you know whether we're as good as them or not, it doesn't matter. They're our heroes, and they're who we're 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 trying to be like. You know. Yeah, and I think if you're a band that's been around for twenty something years, you have to be especially careful to make sure yeah. you're still open to what's happening to be what the conversation around pop music is or around music in general is because that's when you start you're in danger now of we're in danger now of kind of like you know ossifying into like a music wax piece disco band and if we don't you know i feel like we definitely try to listen to things in a new zone i know for me i always try if especially if i don't like something it makes me want to that I that I know is pretty popular, you know. Like I remember when all my friends were talking shit on Little Yachty or something. I was like, I got to listen to this Little Yachty record till I like it. Yeah, you know, yeah. to like understand why it's good. Little boat. Know? So, <laughs> so I feel like we 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 we. I think that's something that we share too. Is like this idea that we have to, we have to stay open to sounds, and we have to we 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 can't get to that point where we're dadding around, being like, well, you know. It's the boom bap hip hop that really works. It's, it's, but none of this like out of tune soundcloud. It's like no, you have to ingest all that stuff and put yourself in those positions, or or else you won't ever you you won't move ahead. Because we we don't have the advantage of being you know when you're younger. I feel like you're just out exposed to things all the time, and now you as you get a little bit older, you have to push yourself to be exposed to it, or else you just you'll be listening to the same six David Bowie, Prince, Beatles records over and over yeah, again. Yeah. You know. How else do you think your age kind of informs your music? Has it kind of changed what you're writing about as you've grown older as well? How else does it kind of bleed into it? It's interesting to look back at that you've got nine records now, eight records? Eight and a half. And each one's at a very kind of specific (laughs) point. Each one's like a very specific point in your life. There there was that funny comment you made one time where you're like, I think it's when you were single and you're like, so all your songs are going to be about like, you having a nice day with your wife and kid and all my songs are going to be about being <laughs> single. And we didn't hit that, you know? Because after that, I think, I won't say who it is, but there was a band that made a record about how happy they were in their domestic world. And I remember thinking like, all right, yeah, I can't, that's bullshit. I can't, we can't be doing that shit either. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, d- I don't know how you would say your age informs it, you know, other than you, you know. I mean, it's 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 a basic, very basic difference between being young and being old. Like, you're young. You're willing to try more stuff. You, you don't care. There's you think there's no nothing matters and there's no there's no levity of anything. And when when you're old, you understand that there is like a seriousness to all that. And so you have to trick yourself into feeling young. You know, the advantage you have as being older is just that you have wisdom. You have a more of a sense of the big picture and you can understand stuff. You know, so. So you have to you have to take your age. You know, when I was young, I would be closed minded about uh, uh, about. I was more open to a lot of things, but I was also closed minded in 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 other things. You know, I would that's not punk or that's not whatever. They're not real or whatever. You know, that's stupid. And 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 so now, as an older person, I will say things are stupid for a different reason. You know, and 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 because because I'm old and I don't I don't get it. So what I have to use, but. Since I do have, um, I'm older and wiser. I can understand that that all these genres of music and these things do matter. And so I am trying to get into new music through through my wisdom instead of my being young and wasted at a party. Like, what is this? This is insane. <laughs> you know, like I don't have that advantage now. So now I have a different advantage, and I try to work from that advantage. It seems like something you've you're quite conscious of as well. Like you seem to have quite a, a grasp on it in a way that you can kind of work it to your advantage and work it to make the music interesting and keep pushing it in exciting directions. I mean, you have to. You have to be aware. You have to be real with yourself about. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, in the same re- in the same way, I tell you, like that, I got into Little Yachty. I was also conscious about not like getting colored dreadlo- dyed dreadlocks and getting a face tattoo. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to find that balance of like being your age but also being open to things you're younger and i think you do have to be kind of very painfully aware of aware of it because if not then you're just one of those people that's out there being like acting like they're 23 when they're not and that's fucking embarrassing you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) so i think we have to be aware of it because i mean this is sounds like dramatic but i think like the very like livelihood of the band depends on us being very aware of that and fighting it and being open and not not succumbing to it you know what i'm saying yeah for sure i mean it's the same thing we come back to the new solo record as well again it's something you've never done before yeah pushing yourself in a different direction yeah i mean and i know you know like nick made a solo record 
which I hope people will hear soon because I think it's great. And I think that both of the records, it's funny because they're totally different, but I think they both, if you know us, are very obviously our records. You know, <laughs> So I, I think it's funny. It was funny when, I, th I think when people hear Nick's record, I think when people hear Nick made a solo record, if they heard it, they will assume something about it. But when I hear Nick's solo record, I'm like, oh, that couldn't be more Nick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, and I think it's, it'll be, in, I, I'm excited for people to hear it because I think it'll be, because I think it's in a weird way, like very personal, yeah, even though yeah, it's basically yeah. instrumental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I think that that's been the other, that is the other part of knowing, being in a band for a long time is knowing when you need to do something else to kind of get something out of your system or when you need to learn in a way that's outside of, all the prying eyes of the the thing that a song goes through when it goes through a band where it gets the shit kicked out of it and hopefully makes it out the other side, you know? It's been good for us to learn those things too, you know? Do you remember as well, Nick, the first time Raphael played you his solo record or played you music from it? And then the same again, Raphael, do you remember the first time that Nick kind of showed you some of the stuff he'd been working on solo-wise? Uh, I don't remember specifically the first time, but I definitely remember my first impressions of it. But yeah, I mean, it was, I forget what, but I forget if I it, saw you play it first or if I heard the songs first. Uh, I, I think don't know. I heard the song first. I think you sent it's me. It's kind something. of an old, it's an old, it's an oldish record. It took a long time for it to come out. So it was a while ago. Yeah. It struck me when you started to play me your solo stuff, how it was funny to me. It was like this, it had this vocabulary that was very much something I equate with music that you like and things that you like to yeah. make. And so I, I and I loved hearing that, you know, that it was kind of outside of the framework of the band, and you weren't trying to shoehorn it into being anything else. So, like I said, like it, 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 it is. It was funny to me to to think about it because when I even the thing that you kind of there's one thing that we did together that you kind of brought into that project, and I felt like, you know, I was happy that I was on it because I I did think it was this very like personal statement from you about like, it it's like it's really like the guide to what Nick likes in music when you're hanging out with them late at night or something like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I thought that was really cool to, to, to have that out there, you know? Um, and I hope people will hear it soon, actually. Yeah, yeah. Have you found that working on those two records, like your two individual records, has that then gone on to bleed into Chit Chit Chick? Has that affected that process in any way? Did you learn anything from working on those individual records? Well, yours, I feel like you learned a lot just technically totally. about I mean, engineering. I mean, we view everything as, as part of the learning process. Everything is, you know, you, you build on everything. You know, it's like it's the, the one thing I always remember is like an interview with um, Pharrell, like in, from the early 2000s, where he said, like, every door opens to the next door, you know? So, so it's like and, and anything we do is going to, you know, or I think I was telling you the other day, too, like how, like, my first punk band i remember like everything we would write like the whole point of the song would be like because we figured out how to do like a dub dropout you know be oh, like, right that yeah. was like the whole point the reason that song existed and then like three songs later the dub dropout would just be like a little bridge into the chorus and then the song the reason that song existed was for a totally different reason something else we had figured out so so certainly anything like certainly anything and de and, and and definitely trying to like finish a solo record and have to kind of finish it all like by my finish it all by myself and like make it all make it all fly and make it unique and since it, it, I, I would definitely say that that stuff informed our our next record you know I definitely learned something from that you know yeah it, it all just seems like what it's kind of blazing into one continuous evolution that all feeds into each other totally is that the same with like other art forms as well like it, when I mean when it comes to music videos and stuff like that can you kind of infuse that what could they, they kind of cross over as well in any way or they're artistic well i, I wish i that? could say that it did more but the videos are usually a, a different kind of connection but i would say that definitely i think with you know I, I think that the the video for the last record for with your paranoid it felt like a little bit more like that because that was like something that was like i just did it with a an old friend who's like you know she's a director and actress sort of person and and it was like you know, with that video, it was kind of like, you know, she had a like basic treatment like video people will have. And then she had like a soundstage rented and some actors and actresses that, you know, we would do some stuff with. And then that was right around the time that I we were both reading actually the Beastie Boys book. And I was really into the idea of like how when they made the sabotage video, they just drove around L.A. with Spike Jones. And like when they would see a pl cool place, they would be like, all right, let's do something here. And they would just do it that way. And so I was like, well, let's just do that in L.A. Let's just drive around to some places and see what we get. 
which is exactly what we did. And we got some some of the coolest stuff in 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 the video from those moments. And that's very much akin to like kind of what we're doing with 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 the band and, and, and the records like like this is a cool bit here and this is a cool bit here. Let's like just mash this together. And we, like that same method of just like whatever comes in your path. OK, what can we how can we throw this into the mix? You know, so I would say that's one of the few videos um, that we've done with that way. But but, you know, it's it, it's interesting because it's like it is something that I think about more because it's it's, it's interesting because I've been reading the Rob Halford book, in, uh, the you know, the guy from Judas Priest and you know, their look of the, it's like you watch the old videos of them on YouTube and they just look like every other 70s band and it doesn't really connect and work. And once they get those leather and studs on, it's like, it's like <laughs> the whole thing is complete and it really comes across, you know? And, and he even talks about, you know, before he's in bands, he's in like theater in, in not London, he's near Birmingham or uh, actually just out, I forget where he is, but you know, he's, he's in the theater and he's kind of like, picks up little tricks that he knows how to use so when he has to like when the camera's on him and he's acting in the breaking the law video he can he can snap right into it and he can do it and he he really puts it across and was able to translate that moment whereas like i think other 70s bands who dress like them in 74 like kind of fell by the wayside but they were able to rise to that moment and, and really succeed as as an mtv type of band you know they had a look that and, and a kind of thing that they were able to put across I do do not think that we've ever nailed that necessarily. I've liked certain videos that we've done, you know, and I I, I wish I could say that we had. I, I think we would be a bigger deal if we if we knew how to make that work. I, I I understand why that works. I understand why it attracted me to Judas Priest as a kid, you know, and I understand stand what, you know, why every photo you see of the White Stripes they look amazing because you know it's a simple thing that works. I don't think we've ever found that. Do you think that's part of it because your musical personality is so all over the place in terms of genre and influences? Like we've been saying, you know, the records are so eclectic, it would be hard to kind of condense it into one cohesive image. It's a lot of stuff. I it's think. a I mean, lot of That's a good things. point. I mean, I think, you know, I, I, it's a lot of stuff. I think that it's hard. It's, you know, any band that has kind of such a strong front person as Nick, I think you kind of, there is that kind of thing where it's like, you know, 95% of people, when they think of Chick to Chick, think of Nick. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like in a weird way, it's like the aesthetics. I know it's what I think of. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I, I feel like so much of what we're known for is like what he does on stage and the kind of energy he gives off and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, so I feel like it's hard to, but the the in the band itself, it's like, it's a very much like a band kind of hang you know it's yeah, like we're yeah. all fr you yeah, know yeah, yeah. so it's like it's hard to translate kind of like the fact that he is this focal point and s embodies so much of what the band is but also like so much of what the band is to us is like us sitting around like having dinner together and joking around and playing music for each other and stuff like so i feel like in a way aesthetically we haven't been able to capture both sides of that it's like it's either yeah, yeah. it's either like you know nick doing his thing which is great or it's us to all doing our thing which is kind of like maybe not that fun to watch. Right. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm always curious to hear. I, it's, it would be great if we could knock it out the park, but I just don't know how that would, I don't even know what that would look like at this point. Though I think it would be great if somebody was able to figure it out. I just, I'm not the person to figure it out. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and I mean, I think, and uh, yeah, it just has to do more also with us just being more excited by music. You know, it's like, right. we're not visual artists and we're not like necessarily we don't have the proclivity for for that sort of things like yeah we like film and stuff but but we're i'm i can't really hang with the the big dogs and talk about it you know it's i'm always more, much i'm reading a rob halford book you know? like you know like I, i'm more interested in, in the musical side of things i mean you mentioned judas priest though and and them finding their kind of style and how that revolutionized things for them when did you come up on the shorts? When did they become a figure of the band? I mean, it was it was pretty, it, it, you know, it's it pretty natural how those things would be. Uh, uh, you know, it was really just like a, you know, actually it was with that same, it was a, I was with that same friend who um, I made the, the Paranoid video with. Um, and we were at a thrift store and I like pulled out those shorts, these like kind of short shorts. And I was kind of like, can I do this? And she was like, you can do anything. And it's very much her style. You know, she's a very fashionable person. And and she definitely, but like fashionable in that way of like, you know, she usually does something interesting and creative and not just trend following, you know. And so I was like, yeah, you can do anything. And so I was wearing the shorts that week. And I, I remember I walked up to meet uh, our drummer at the time, John. And I was, and he was like, 
oh, look at you, Liberace. You know, like they were pretty fancy <laughs> pants at the time. And and he ba- basically bet me that I couldn't wear that, that outfit for the rest of the week because we were there in Sacramento working on the record. And I was like, and I was like, he bet me five pounds. And, and I think I, he bet me five pounds and he had to call me Liberace as my nickname. So I was like, okay, fair enough. Let's do this, you know. And so I was wearing the shorts all week and we played a show at the end of the week in, in San Francisco and, and I walked on stage and and I remember like 10 minutes into the show, there's these girls in the back who are like, we like your shorts. <laughs> I was like, well, that seems like a pretty good tip or whatever. But then we came out from the show and the car had been broken into with my backpack, with my passport and the yada yada, all my clothes for the tour. So I'm pretty much left with the shorts <laughs> the end. And so I wear the shorts for the rest of the tour. And then it was like, you know, after that, it was kind of like a wrap. I had to I had to always wear them because people just liked them. Well, and then you didn't wear them one time and people got mad right, at you. Yeah, <laughs> I did try. I, I did. I, I kept it very natural. And then I was like, I just wear them because, you know, I, I want to and whatever if I don't want to wear them. But we played this one show in Paris where we kind of sucked. <laughs> they they all came up to, to me after the show and they said, but why you don't wear the shorts? And so I was kind of like, oh, fuck, I got to wear the shorts now. So I, I have worn the shorts every time since then. Except yeah, including in like minus 14 degree weather <laughs> yeah. in Utah one time. Yeah. We were playing on New Year's Eve. It was freezing. And I think we were all kind of like, is he going to do it? And then he hopped on there with the shorts. It was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.